to the Gospel of John. The Gospel according to John in chapter 14. There's never a good place to stop in John, especially once you get to chapter 13. Uh, Jesus, if you have a red-lettered Bible, Jesus will start talking in chapter 13 and He doesn't stop until 17. So it's hard to really cut off, so to speak, a reading like this, but I want to section off a portion here this morning that I want to read to you and say a few things about this morning. Notice here in chapter 14, you remember the scene here, Jesus... Actually, this is the last night He's going to spend with His disciples. He washes their feet. They celebrate the Lord's Supper. And He speaks some very intimate words to them. These are some of the strongest words about the Holy Trinity we find anywhere in the Bible altogether. Uh, In particular, about the Holy Spirit. And since we're in the season of Pentecost, uh, we want to focus, really continue our focus on the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. Let's hear these words this morning from John 14. I want to start with verse 15. Notice what Jesus says here. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep My words, and the word that you hear is not Mine, but the Father's who sent Me. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your holy Word, inspired by Your Holy Spirit. Lord, may this place this morning become a holy place of meeting with You, O God, by Your Word. Bless now this reading of Your Word and the preaching and our response to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep commandments. Notice what Jesus says here. If you love Me, then you will keep My commandments. Now we just heard from the mouth of of babes, children, Uh, that keeping rules or commandments is not fun, and even adults, as acclimated as we've become to keeping certain rules, we too don't always enjoy a good command given to us. And so we say to ourselves this morning, 
You know, on the last night that Jesus is with the disciples, some of the most important things are said here. And one of those things that He says to them is, If you love Me, you will do what I say. You will keep My commandments. You will do My Word. But we know that's impossible, right? That's what our culture says. It's impossible to keep the commandments. No one keeps the commandments. Even the Bible says that. So, why would Jesus be such a stickler, such a downer, to say to equate love with keeping the commandments, when in fact, we can't keep the commandments? Or can we? You know, there's new power since Pentecost, isn't there? It's not just on our own. This walk is not just us. You know, it's interesting. We live our lives as if we're always going to have these little caveats of sin or these closed doors that no one can get into all of our lives. And we, we, we package these things down, some of them. Aggression, anger, anxiety, pride, lust, desire. We... We compartmentalize our lives and we have one part of us that comes out to play when we allow it and another part that is holy unto God. And we act as if that's going to go on forever. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you're not heading to a place where there's going to be sin. To keep His commandments must be started here in this life, in time and space where we live. Not just in our heads. It's not as if when we are saved, Jesus puts on Jesus-colored glasses where He only sees Jesus and He doesn't really see you anymore. That's a false gospel. Instead, Jesus sees you. And He says to us, just as He said to His disciples, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. You will keep My Word. You'll do what I said. You'll do what this... So what do we mean here then by... Commandments. Let me be clear. What is he saying here when he says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments? Well, let's go back to the very first command ever given. Do you remember that one? You shall not eat. You know, Reagan had it right, right? Don't. That's pretty much a command. Don't. Most of the commands are don't. Don't do this and don't do that. And they're mostly negative, yes. And this one was too. It said, Do not eat of one tree. In the garden. Just one. And it's that one that got us. It's almost as if our human nature today can't resist that same command, that same lie from the serpent. He doesn't have to change his game plan at all. He keeps offering the same lie. That first command, you shall not eat, and we did. Paul says, we did. Notice that. It wasn't just Adam and Eve's fault. No, we blame them. We say, boy, child labor is tough. We really don't like Eve. And guys that have to work in gardens say, we really don't like Adam because of this. But the reality is, we were all there making that decision and we have all subsequently made that decision on our own so that if they wouldn't have eaten the fruit, I would have. You would have. We partake because we want to. We do what we want to do because we want to. That is the sin nature. That's our fallenness. That's our brokenness. God didn't create us to be selfish like that. 
And yet we chose to disobey Him. He gave us a command, just like I give commands to my children. And we chose to disobey. And it opened up a world that was never meant to be opened up to us. A world of sin. A world of bondage. A world of death. Now, it wasn't that God didn't know what would happen. It wasn't that He didn't already have a plan. It wasn't plan B. And even so, He thought it good the way things worked out. And He was willing to pay for whatever we got ourselves into. Praise be to God for that. That's the first command and we break it. Then He gives us ten commands. Remember ten words as they're called? The ten commandments? These uh, tablets that God Himself inscribed with His own finger, the Bible says. I mean, that's pretty powerful commands right there. You know, they were, they were in a situation at Mount Sinai where they weren't even allowed to touch the mountain lest they would die. They purified themselves three days in advance for worship, to hear God. And when God started enumerating the commands, they said, we don't want to hear that. That's too much for us. You're scaring us. And so they said, send Moses up and you talk to him and he'll tell us. They already wanted a mediator. They didn't want a face-to-face with the boss. It's too scary. Not with the father. He was a little too scary for them. Even though they willingly went into covenant with him, you know, as Moses is sprinkling the blood on them, he's throwing... I mean, just imagine me being the pastor back then, right? I have to kill things and then sprinkle blood on you as you say, if I don't keep this covenant, I die like that animal just died. And so as he's sprinkling the blood on them, they're saying, yes, we agree to this covenant and let it be on us and our children's children if we don't follow the covenant. And then, what? A few weeks down the road, they're already worshiping a calf, a golden calf. He gives them Ten Commandments and they still... Don't follow those Ten Commandments. These commands, yes, they're negative in their enumerated, as they're enumerated. So as they're spoken, they're saying, do not do this, do not, you know, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not kill, do not covet. Now there's two positive ones. Honor your father and your mother. Keep the Sabbath holy. The others are negative. Don't have an image of me. There is, there is none. You can't make an image of God, period. Nothing in nature is God. God is not nature, and that's what He was trying to teach them. Also, no other gods. So there's negative, but there's a positive. Is there not behind each negative? When you tell your kid, do not pick up that knife, they're thinking, hey man, this is a shiny, cool little toy. No, you can kill yourself with it. There's a positive. You're trying to protect life by telling them something not to do. Don't run out in the street. And these commands must be obeyed to the T every single time. Which is why we look at the Old Testament, we read the Old Testament and say, man, God is so mean in the Old Testament. Every time they disobey, there's a punishment that happens. Someone dies. There's somebody that's you know killed or punished harshly. Well, first of all, They all said they would die if they didn't follow it. And did they all die? No. Grace. They should have all been dead. 
Remember, God said, Moses, I'm just going to start over with you, bud. I'm done with these stiff-necked people. These hard-headed people is the way we say it in the South. And I'm done. I'm going to start over with you. And Moses said, no, that's not you, God. It's not your nature. I'm not going to do that. These commands are for our protection. They're for life. Think about it. Do not commit adultery protects marriage. Do not steal protects possession. Do not desire other stuff keeps you from yourself. That game of desire and lust for goods or materials or money or pleasure never ends. It's a wheel that never ends. All of the commands have a positive that they protect. Do not kill protects life. So God is not just being some mean person by listing out certain commands. He's protecting us. He's also given us an opportunity to love Him. You see, the commands are always couched, always in the context of covenant. Think about this. Weren't Adam and Eve in covenant with God? Absolutely. The most direct covenant. He walked with them in the cool of the day, the Bible says. As we would walk with one another, chatting. They were in relationship. A covenant is just simply a formal relationship. He was their God. They were the creature. He the Creator. And He told them one thing not to do, and that's the one thing that they did do, because they believed a lie. And that lie said, and the lie continues to be said, that you cannot trust God. It's as simple as that. That's the lie. You can't trust... He's not trustable, trustworthy. Instead, i got to do it on my own. I've got to make this happen on my own. I have to reach out and take the fruit on my own. In other words, God says marriage is it for sexual relationships, and we say, no, that's not enough for me. I need more than that. I need something on the side. God says not to use other people. Not to steal or bear false witness against them. You know, the last six commands deal with other people. The first four deal with God. So you have God and other people, which is why Jesus would later on say in the New Testament, He says, look, if you want to summarize the whole law, the entire Old Testament, if you will, and everything, all the commands of the Old Testament, there's really two, and that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, because that is keeping of the law. That's keeping of the commandments. Those two things. And yet... Aren't those some of the hardest things to do in our world is love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourself? You know, most of us do a pretty good job of loving ourselves. We let ourselves off the hook a lot. You know, if, if we lie on our taxes or lie to someone at work to make ourselves look better, hey, that's okay. I had my reasons. You know, there was a context that you can't see. But if somebody else lies about us, we put the gauntlet down. The hammer comes down hard. There's no mercy. 
there's only justice. But with ourselves, we're very merciful and gracious to ourselves. We do have to live with ourselves. And so we learn to cope with small things where we fudge the truth or fudge God's way. But with other people, we demand justice. That's why Jesus says, look, if you're going to love other people, love them like you love yourself. Your waitress who's taken too long, seeming like she's not doing her job, we've all had a day like that. Just suck it up. It's not the end of the world. You are being served, after all, in America. And yet we demand. We bicker and complain to ruin our testimony. What if you were to say to that person something nice in that moment? How much? What if, you, what if you tipped them more than you should have? And just left a little note saying, Hey, praying for you. I don't know what's going on. Or maybe the Spirit was leading you to say something specific to them. That's happened before. That could make somebody's week or life. And yet we just care about self, right? We just want to worship self. I need my food now. My drink is empty now. I paid for this tea and I don't normally get tea. We're worried about ourself. And Jesus says, look, if you want to live life, if you want to love me, then you will love God and other people like you love yourself. Now imagine picking up the pitcher and rolling over there and serving somebody else. That's the kind of thing Jesus did. He didn't come to be served. Amen. This was God who came in the flesh. He should have, we should have been giving Him pedicures and massages. And instead, He's down on His knees washing the disciples' feet, embarrassing Peter. Peter said, this is not right. I don't feel comfortable with this. And Jesus says, what I do to you, I want you to do to others. I'm setting forth an example tonight. You know, the prophets, interestingly, rail against not following the covenant. Don't they? It's one thing to keep the commandments. And the Pharisees, you remember, Jesus even has this issue with them. They keep the commands, right? They're doing everything to the T. But let me tell you something. The commands are part of this relationship of God. It's part of it. It's not the whole thing. It's not that we don't do it or don't hold it, you know, hold it lightly because Jesus doesn't here. But it's not the whole thing because here's what the prophets say. Look, you're offering these sacrifices to God and it makes you want to throw up. Why? Because your heart is far from Him. You see, commandments are always found. The law is always found in relationship, in covenant. It's not just a set of rules. If God wanted to do that, He would have just handed us the Bible and said, fine, just do this and then I'll see you when you get up here. That's not how Christianity works. Christianity is not a philosophy that can just be read and understood and that's it. No, it's a person that we're dealing with. That's completely different. Isn't it different to go against a law that's on paper somewhere in Montgomery or in Washington rather than against your dad? Than against your mom? Than against your friend who's asking you not to do something and you continue to do it? 
That's different when you're face to face with someone and you break a commandment. When you break a law, face to face with someone, break a rule. In my house, for instance, my boys, I say to Jackson, stop doing that or turn that off. You know, for him not to do that, what is that saying? That's one either saying I'm not a good parent if he doesn't do it. Or it's saying he doesn't trust me enough, which is really part of not being a good parent. You have to teach your kids to trust you. The only way to do that, and this is the way God did it, I'm just using the way He did it, and that is to do it every single time without fail. You know, the one thing in the Old Testament that's said about God more than anything, really, is faithfulness. He is, In other words, when He says He's going to do something, He's going to do it. Now, it doesn't nullify grace, you understand. But the object lesson has to be clear, and so does discipline. And in the Old Testament, you get a lot of object lessons, and you get a lot of discipline. So, you must kill this lamb. Why? Why would we kill a lamb? An innocent lamb. I mean, what has it done to anybody? Well, it's an object lesson. A very grotesque object lesson. But you know what? It's not as gross as a human person dying on a cross, is it? Nor that human person being God who is dying naked on a cross, innocent for you and myself. You see, the object lesson was clear. Sin always kills. Sin always damages and affects someone else. We play around with sin because we don't, we've forgotten the object lesson. We, we just, oh yeah, Jesus already taken care of and all that. Hallelujah, I'm just going to live how I want to live. Commandments, ah, commandments, whatever. It doesn't matter. No, this is just a game now. I'm, I'm in. I'm forgiven. And that's all it is. Now I just wait till heaven. No, God is perfecting you. He's getting rid of sin in your life. There is a reason, there's a place where sin comes from and it's deep within the soul. You'll find this out in the Christian life. You'll get saved. You're forgiven. Hallelujah. Of these sins that were... If they were written up here, you'd be embarrassed. You would leave the room. You'd get sick. All of us would. And yet He wipes that away. But then what? We just go back to sinning? Romans 6? Really? No. No. Sins come from sin in here. There's a root. And God wants to uproot that, and He can by His Spirit. That's the Gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. He has power over... Do you remember what John the Baptist said? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's not always going to be sin to rely back on. Some of us, it's become a comfort food for us. We go to it when we need something or we need comfort. Why not God? We must go to God and not ourselves, not our own way. We must not reach out for the fruit. Do not. It's the commandment. So the prophets, they rail against obeying without a heart of obedience. Just rote obedience. So my son just turns the TV off and walks away hating me. Is that the purpose of obedience? To hate his father? Now we all know kids go through that. We went through that. We said to ourselves one day, I'm never going to wash the dishes because washing dishes is stupid. You just eat from it again. Six hours later. How dumb is that? 
not going to do that. I'm just going to wash it out every time and eat from the same dish. But every single one of us comes around eventually to understanding why you wash dishes, why you fold clothes, why you need a clean room, why it is you need to clean your clothes, why it is you need a bath. These things must be taught and our Father in Heaven needs to teach us some things and we need to be His submissive children. And in fact, we try to be adults just like my kids do. They think they know how to do things. Bo pulls up our new stool and starts eating Pop-Tart on it and getting red gooey stuff in the new stool. Because he thinks he's an adult. He thinks he's ready. He thinks he can do what he can. He, he opens up the pantry. Starts grabbing out Cheetos in the morning. And I'm saying, son, that's not a breakfast food. I'm sorry. And so to us spiritually, we go to the pantry of our life and start reaching for things without consulting God at all, without waiting on God. We jump the gun because we think we're in control. We like to be in control. We like to think we can do what we want to do. But didn't we just talk about last week what happens when we pursue our kind of freedom? We're like that kite who the tether is released, the line is released. What happens to the kite? It inevitably goes and crashes into the ground. It needs that tight line. It needs that pressure pulling it back down. So do we. We need to submit. You say, man, this stuff about submission and obedience, you know, that's a downer to me. Okay? Jesus did it. Don't we want to be like Jesus? Didn't He submit to His Father? Yes. Submission is not just for women. It's not just for... Men, it's for all people. Jesus, even God, submitted to God. Even God obeyed God. How much more us? If God prayed, how much more us? We too must submit ourselves to Him. We must obey Him, not our own way. And that goes against that sin nature. But here's the good news. There's a helper. Isn't that what Jesus says right after He says, if you love Me, you'll keep My commandments? He says, I'm going to send a helper. And this helper is going to teach you all things. He's called the helper for a reason because He's there to help. The law can't help us. It can only condemn us. Not that it's not helpful. (laughs) If that makes sense. Paul doesn't bash the law. Paul's not a law basher. Nor is Jesus. Jesus says, look, I came to fulfill the law, to bring it to its final end. What's the final end of the law? Relationship. What is the final end of obedience? Relationship. I want my kids to live. If I never tell them things not to do, they'll be out in the street. Trust me, they've already tried. They'll be roadkill. And their life will be over. And any freedom they thought they were enjoying will come to an abrupt end. God knows that some of the things that we reach for in our lives, some of the things that we look up in our lives, some of the things that we pursue in our lives, those things have an abrupt ending and ending in death. Because why? Every time we sin, death. And it affects somebody else. It would be nice if it only affected us if we could contain it. But you cannot. Life is too relational. Haven't you found that out by now? 
What you do affects other people. And what they do affects you. And what God does affects us. Praise be to God. Isn't that what Paul says in Romans 5? He says, look, through one man sin entered the world and all sinned. But also through one man, Jesus Christ, grace and truth. Praise be to God. He has made a way not only to be forgiven of our sins, but to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? From all unrighteousness. Cleansed. I don't mean just forgiven. That, see, we've sold ourselves short when we only are in this business of salvation for forgiveness. If this is a marriage, which Jesus says it is, He's our groom, we are the bride, if we're constantly cheating on Him, just like the prophets always say, if we're whoring around on God, that's the way Ezekiel says it, and he was a priest, then what kind of relationship is that? We're just in it for ourselves. It's not a relationship at all. Not one of mutuality. The end of obedience is relationship. I, I don't discipline my children. I don't spend time. Because it, it does take time to discipline. That's not something easy. It's easy to just let them do whatever they want. Let them be you know, crazy nutheads, what I call them. Now that's the easy thing to do. It's hard to discipline. But I do it because I want them to be a good person in the world. I want them to know Christ. I want them to know how to obey. I want them to know how to submit to authority, how to respect authority, how to honor their father and mother, because if they honor their father and mother, the Bible says you'll live a long life. It's the first commandment with promise. It's relationship. That's why I discipline them. It's because I love them. I love them with all my heart. I would die for those little guys, those four little boys. I'd die for any one of them in a matter of a second. It wouldn't even take me a second to make up my mind for it. It'd be done. I'd give my life for them. That's why I care about them so much. That's why I train them so to God. At the drop of a hat, He would die for us, and He has. He has. And He can live to tell about it. And we're just these spoiled children who trample on His blood now. Living our lives as we want to, not caring at all, Hebrews says. It's a very fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We toy around with God because we think He's grown old in this New Testament. He's the same God. The same Father. He's always been a God of grace. He's always been a God of mercy. But He's always been a God of justice and discipline because He loves us so much. You see, we have a problem, a very deep sin problem, but His grace is more than that. His grace is greater still than our sin. Do you believe that? 
His gospel, the good news of God. We're dealing with God. What can't He not do? We're the ones who stop short. We're the ones who take your hand off that. Don't go in that room. Stop opening that box. We do that. And just as a gentleman, as the Holy Spirit is, He's not going to pry. If you want your life, God will give you your life. In the end, C.S. Lewis says, you will always get what you want. If you want yourself in the end, you'll get yourself. That's what hell is, is a place where you're by yourself. If you live for God and others, that's heaven. That's keeping the commandments. God's salvation is clear. It's a cross. We must die to ourself to find life. It's the exact opposite of what the world says to us. Cling to our life. No, give it up. That's where life is found. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit comes into our life to clean us up. But we must give Him permission. We must give Him free reign. That's got to be done by faith. Just like when you were saved. That's got to be done by faith. That is sanctification. And, and, and Paul says, look, I want you to be entirely sanctified. Soul, mind, and body. You see, the beginning of all wisdom is fear. But that's not the end, is it? The end is love. Amen. The end is always love. Because God is love. But we first must Fear Him. I'm afraid we've lost that. We don't fear sin. Big deal, I sinned again. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. Appreciate it. Uh, See you next week. It cost Him something. And it costs other people when you sin. It costs your kids, your family, your co-workers, your friends. Anybody else that's in your life, in your circle of of influence. It's a serious thing. God has always taken sin very seriously. He took it so seriously, He died to rid us of it. One day there will be no sin and sinners have a place. Don't be one of them. Instead, do what Jesus says here. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. You will keep My Word. That means you've got to know His Word. And I'll send a helper who's the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was in Christ, full power, not power to do crazy things of splitting water, but power over sin. And you know how hard that is. He's got that kind of power available to you if you'll believe by faith this morning. You believe in that kind of gospel? Because that's the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. That's the freedom that we have in Jesus. That's the obedience we can have toward Christ. We can be pleasing to God. We can do it because He said we can and because He's given us His Spirit. Amen.